Bring it in, everybody. Welcome to the Read Option Podcast. Uh, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. This is probably the shortest podcast that we're ever going to have on the pod. Um, uh, computers suck is essentially what I'm going to say here. Um, had a whole show recorded yesterday. Um, my computer then decided to update. And uh, in the middle of the Zoom recording processing uh and crashed and essentially we lost the whole show so i made a promise to you guys that we were going to give picks out and um even though we haven't gotten to the big 12 or the pac 12 i can talk a little bit about those schools uh those conferences rather um because i do think the big 12 is going to be really interesting i think the pac 12 is going to be really interesting i think it's going to be the same version of the pac 12 that we're used to to seeing, which is cannibalism amongst itself. Uh, they do it every year. Oregon has a brutal first round or week one matchup against Georgia um, and a first year head coach and Dan Manning, who I think will do a great job, but uh, first year, first year head coach moving across the country and Mara Cristobal had a ton of talent there and they didn't lose a ton, but they're bringing in Bo Nick. So I'm not huge on Utah. Uh, USC, everyone's probably too excited for uh i get obviously lincoln riley goes there um and in addition to that caleb williams uh jamie addison who was the won the belindikoff last year um as the best wide receiver in college football at pitt with kenny pickett um so obviously there's skill there they brought in a bunch of good players but uh the trenches at usc are uh, less than to be desired. So uh, essentially here, I'll give you a brief preview here of the Pac-12 and a little bit in the, Pac- in the Big 12. I'm going to give you my picks. I'm sorry, I just kind of started jumping in. My brain's on college football. Uh, this is I'm recording this Friday morning. Unreal start to college football last night. The backyard brawl, West Virginia pit. First time in 11 years they played. Unbelievable game. Uh, back and forth the pick six was huge and then we had an amazing big 10 game too penn state purdue we saw the five-star qb that penn state's been hoarding drew alar came in uh at one point he has been he, he looked really good in his first couple throws um there was some concern over sean clifford he didn't come back out of the locker room eventually he does come out and he leads penn state down a clutch drive two-minute drill scores a touchdown unreal game Amazing start to the college football season. College football is the best. It's absolutely incredible. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun this weekend. I don't know if anything is going to live up to what we had on Thursday night. Two fantastic games uh, with four very well-known programs. Uh, and and obviously Pitt, Penn State, West Virginia, Purdue. Um, just you love, you love to see it in week one, Thursday night of week one, nonetheless. Uh, so great start to college football. And my brain just went into football mode. So uh, I gave you a little bit about what I was talking about in the Pac-12. I'll give you the Big 12. I'll give you my picks. And then the Donovan Mitchell news, the trade came in. Um, Utah traded Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland. They get Lori Markinen, uh, uh Agbaji, who was the first-round pick of 
Cleveland this year, as well as Colin Sexton and three unprotected first round picks and two pick swaps. Massive haul for Donovan Mitchell. That's just the going rate for superstars in the NBA. Uh, I've seen a lot of people saying, oh, well, Cleveland's not going to be a problem. They might be. They might be. Jared Allen's really, really good player. Uh, if they get matched up against the Sixers, he's going to get his shit stuffed and he's going to get absolutely bodied by Joel Embiid. As good as Jared Allen is, he's made. Um, the guard play, everyone else, yeah. I mean, I love Darius Garland. I've been vocal. Not a huge Donovan Mitchell fan. I think he's a really solid player. I think he's all-star caliber player. He's kind of like D-Wade light. Um, D Wade extra light, honestly. Uh, it's just a really, he's a really solid player. I don't think it makes them, uh, especially with how loaded the Eastern Conference is, I don't think it makes them a contender for the NBA Finals, but credit to Cleveland for at least making a move. We're in football season. That's all I'm going to say about that. Felt like I need to at least address, address that. So back to the Pac 12 um, and the Big 12. I gave you a little bit at the top there Oregon, US, USC, Utah. I think those are more than likely going to be the three best teams in the Pac-12. But this this conference, other than Oregon, there has not been a constant, right? And even Oregon's had down years, right? When Mario Cristobal first got there, when they had Willie Taggart uh, there out in Oregon, right? Like, this is a, a, a team, a program that has consistently been the best team in the Pac-12, and yet overall still hasn't even been that consistent. Uh, since Chip Kelly to Mark er, uh, Erfleck, God, I'm blanking. It's been a while, Erzleck. Uh, and to now the Willie Taggart, Mario Cristobal, and now Dan Manning eras. It's a huge program. They have a ton of money. They've gotten massive recruits. People want to go to play at Oregon. They want to play in that stadium. That's an amazing crowd, amazing fan base, amazing opportunity with the Nike connections and NIL and everything else that they can now do for these student athletes. But yet, Oregon still has not been super consistent. And if they've been the most consistent program in the Pac-12, that says a lot about where the Pac-12 has been. Now, I love the Pac-12. When we had Ryan Leaf on the podcast, we talked about how much fun the Pac-12 is. It's the most competitive. It has the most competitive balance. But because of that, there is never a true threat for the college football playoff. And there hasn't been since Oregon last made it, which I believe was the Marcus Mariota year. And... This year's team, yeah, they could be good. They got a bunch of good recruits, but they're starting Bo Nix, a quarterback. And look, Bo Nix will have a couple of what the hell just happened, right? When he beat Oregon when he was starting as a freshman at Auburn, it was an unbelievable moment in college football, but like that, and that was a week one game as well. I just, Oregon probably has the most talent. They have the best line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. They're returning a bunch of people on defense. They lose Kayvon Thibodeau, but the rest of their um, defensive starters, for the most part, especially in that front seven, are returning, particularly at linebacker, where they were really, really strong last year. So Oregon should be good. I mean, preseason, they're ranked number 11 in the country. I think that's a bit high. As we all know, preseason rankings mean absolutely nothing in college football, and uh, I think we're going to find out soon enough once we get to the picks here um, why, but they mean nothing. They really don't. Um it's a bunch of writers who send this shit in. And it's the same thing with USC. I like USC. I like Lincoln Riley. I like Caleb Williams. And it's going to take them a couple of years before they become a potential college football playoff threat. They have no offensive line. They have no defensive line. They have amazing skill, uh, skill players. They have an amazing quarterback. One of, in my opinion, I think one of the most purely talented quarterbacks 
in the country in Caleb Williams. And the one, the most underrated thing, right? People talked about how Lincoln Riley got a little bit worse each year he was at Oklahoma. And I disagreed hard, hard on that. They were really good every year he was at Oklahoma. Oklahoma fans are just insane people, as most college f- football fans are. The thing that hurt o- Lincoln Riley was he lost offensive linemen. He went from having the best offensive line his first few years at, at Oklahoma to by the time he left, nothing. Not nothing, but just above average, right? Uh, I mean, look, Creed Humphrey was the best rookie offensive lineman we've seen since Quentin Nelson, and he's now one of the best centers. He was an all-pro as a rookie uh, at the center position, right? So he played at Oklahoma. It's not like they didn't have good talent there, um, but they didn't have the Lane Johnson. They didn't have the really big, nasty, ugly offensive lineman that they had before, and that's one thing that if you're going to win at USC, you have to be great at. You can get all the skill players you want to come to USC, but can you get the big offense alignment? And there's a weird theory out there about just literally like regional. There's a reason why like Wisconsin gets great offense alignment all the time, because in the area that they recruit, it's a bunch of farm guys and guys who are come from like lineages and their family histories that literally genetically make them better fits. And, and then it's, it's very, it's very geographic. And of course, now we know that college football is becoming less and less geographic, which I still believe is one of the great things about it. But recruiting great offensive linemen to the West Coast is hard to do because there's not as many of those homegrown guys who end up being dominant offensive linemen in Southern California. They're just not. Not to say there are none. There are definitely some, but there's just not a lot of them. So right now, I still think USC will put up a bunch of points. I think defensively, they're going to have some problems. They're coming in number 17 in the country, which I also think is probably a little bit too high, but they're respecting Caleb Williams as they should and Addison as they should and Lincoln Riley as they should. Uh, But we will see here as the rest of this kind of develops um, where exactly USC fits into it. And the third team in the Pac-12 that I think has a realistic shot is Utah. Now, Utah – Top 10 ranking here. Uh, They were a win away from potentially making the college football playoff last year. I love Kyle Whittingham. I love Utah. And I think they should be the favorite to win the college, to win the Pac-12 championship. However, they're not so far ahead of every other team that you would feel confident that they're going to be able to go. There's a reason the Pac-12 after dark is a thing. Because the Pac-12 is so weird, for lack of a better phrase, right? It's just weird. There's going to be a game where Utah's playing UCLA. Well, I don't, even, I don't have their schedule up in front of me, but they're going to be playing UCLA or Arizona State or, or someone. And it's going to be like 35-33. They're down two with seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. And you're just looking down like, how the hell did this happen? How the hell is Arizona in this game? in their second year, right, under under their new coach, right? So, like, that's just what happens in the Pac-12. And I love Kyle Whittingham. I think he's the best coach in the Pac-12, um, debatably, if you want to say, I guess, with Lincoln Riley. He's one of my favorite coaches in college football. They lost some really important pieces to that defense last year, but they are tough, they're nasty, and I'm really excited. Week one, they're at the University of Florida. 
that game's on my list of like games I'm most excited for this upcoming Saturday. Uh, and it's going to be on our list of games to pick. So if you want me to give a winner right now, I'm going to say Utah is going to win the Pac-12. But trying to pick a winner in the Pac-12, uh, it's not easy because it's the most unpredictable conference that there is in college football. Uh, in regards to the Big 12, a lot of hype about Texas. A lot of somewhat hype around Oklahoma. And the team that I love the most – and I think has finally started getting that national respect after last year is Baylor. I've been so high on Dave Aranda for years now. Uh, he was all time defensive coordinator at, at Wisconsin. He obviously was the defensive coordinator at LSU the year they won the national championship. And now here he is going into year number three, had a disappointing year, his first season, but that was also a first year head coach and B in the middle of 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, when he couldn't have meetings, he, you know, when he did have meetings, they were all virtual. There were no workouts. There was no spring ball. There was no training camp, really, or at least a very um, shrunken training camp, for lack of a better word. Dave Aranda is an amazing football coach. And just like I was really high on Dave Aranda coming in, I'm also really high on Brent Venables coming in. But it, it's going to take a year for Brent Venables. There's people who think that Brent Venables is going to come in and they're going to win a national championship or that they're going to win the big 12 or that they're going to make the college football playoff. And I'm not saying that's impossible. Dylan Gabriel, their transfer quarterbacks really solid player was really good at UCF. Didn't turn the ball over a lot in an offense like UCF's where it was so, I mean, he'd throw it 50, 60 times a game and still was able to protect the football. That's really impressive. And they still, despite not having the names and, and the star power necessarily uh, at OU with Caleb Williams and a bunch of the other guys leaving, they do have the most four- and five-star recruits in the Big 12. A lot more than Texas. Uh, they're the only ones in double digits, in fact. So there is talent on this team, and Brent Venables is going to get the most of them. I think nine wins is an amazing first year. Um, do I think it's possible for them to, to go 10-2, and two, right, or 11-1? and one? It's not impossible, but I'm telling you now, Baylor's going to be a really, really tough team to beat. I love their quarterback. Uh, I think Texas is going to be good. And we're gonna, they're going to get smacked in the mouth early. Week two, they're playing Alabama. Texas, Alabama, Quinn Ewers, five-star. He was the number one recruit in his class, reclassified last year to go. He was supposed to be a true freshman this year. He reclassified so he could be a true freshman last year, goes to Ohio State, is a backup there, gets into a couple games, basically just took a couple knees and gave, gave a couple handoffs to run the game out. We have not seen much uh, of Quinn Ewers, but if he's everything that people say he is, this is a guy who should be the number one overall pick in the draft in two years. That's the level of talent that Quinn Ewers has and had coming out of high school. His size, arm strength is off the charts. He's got a cool mullet. If you're into that, I'm not, but you know, to each their own. So when it comes to the big 12, those are the three teams. I think uh, dark horses are going to be teams like Kansas state people. There's a lot of teams people really high on Kansas state. And I would tell you this, I've seen their win totals at about seven and a half. I would take the over for Kansas state. I think Kansas state's going to be really good. Chris Kleiman's a fantastic coach. Uh, and they elevated, uh, uh, the other Klein who used to be their quarterback there years ago when they had, uh, the redheaded kid. Um, he's now their offense coordinator and calling plays for them for the first time. They got one of the best running backs in the country. So there's, there's a bunch 
the Big 12 is going to be interesting. And Matt Campbell at, at Iowa State needs a big bounce back here. You know, I'm excited to see what Lance Leipold does at Kansas, right? Lance Leipold's one of my favorite coaches in college football. Gets the job late because of the less miles situation that happened last year. Only really has half an offseason at best to figure out what the hell they're going to do at Kansas. And yeah, they go two and 10, but they did beat Texas. And Lance Leipold is a fantastic coach. And not just in the sense of, oh, he's this great recruiter, salesman, or even a great technical coach. It's his ability to get the most out of the talent he had. I mean, he turned Buffalo into one of the best group of five programs in the country. So I am excited to see what they what they were able to do. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, watch out for them. They're going to win six games, seven games. No, I mean, for them, five. they win five. Kansas wins five games this year. That's ridiculous. And he just got a one-year extension yesterday as well. So uh, in addition to the, the contract he signed last year. So there, it's going to be an interesting league to follow. Um, TCU, you know, their Sonny Dykes going there from SMU, that's going to be kind of a new – Regime change, uh, you know, after Gary Patterson had been there for so long. Texas Tech, they got a new head coach. Uh, and then we saw West Virginia last night, who a lot of people picked about West Virginia to finish at the bottom of this conference. They should have beaten Pitt last night. They should have beaten Pitt. And a wide receiver dropped. I mean, they were, they were in control of that game. Um, but it was just a crazy, crazy football game. And sometimes you end up on the wrong side of it. But that being said... I still think West Virginia, as long as they don't let this loss derail the rest of their season, I think West Virginia is going to be a problem. I think they're going to win, and they're going to beat a lot of teams in the Big 12, and they're going to piss off a lot of people and potentially you know, jack up some rankings and jack up some seasons for schools like Baylor, Texas, uh, Oklahoma. I, I think West Virginia is that good, and at the very least, similar to the Pac-12, I mean, we saw Oklahoma almost lose to Kansas last year. We saw Texas lose to Kansas. We've, we saw Iowa State. They went seven and five, and they went two and five in one possession games. So all five of their losses in the regular season came in one score losses. And when you go two and five in one possession games, you know that's what's going to happen. Iowa, Iowa State, you know, like Iowa State's in is in position, just like anyone else in this conference. Um, to upset and make some noise because especially now with Lincoln Riley gone. And again, I think Brent Venables is going to be a fantastic coach. I've been very high on him. We talked to Chris Plank about it when he was on the pod. We just got to wait and see. Um, but that's kind of how I feel about those two conferences right now. I'm sorry. Sorry. We did not get a full breakdown and win totals, but with week one being tomorrow, your season long win total bets probably would have had to been in anyway. Uh, speaking of bets, Week one, we got five games on the docket, and then we'll get you guys on your way. Uh, first up, we got number seven, Utah at University of Florida. I told you guys about this game. Uh, I'm really excited. Billy Napier and the job he did at Louisiana, now going to the University of Florida. I like Billy Napier a lot. It looks like Anthony Richardson's won the full-time job. Crazy athlete. I'm curious as to how disciplined this team's going to be. Um, right now, Florida is a three-point underdog. Going cross-country, the amount of talent they lost, 
And the thing with Utah is Utah is one of those teams that whenever you expect them to be good, they usually end up disappointing a little bit. And this is a big, this is a perfect scenario. Like I could see Utah losing week one, dropping way back into the rankings. And then you look up and, and they kind of drop out of the conversation. But then all of a sudden you look up, you know, week eight, week nine, and you're like, shit, Utah's like eight and one, seven and one. You know, yeah, they lost that game at Florida, but they've been undefeated since. Um, that wouldn't surprise me. But I'm going to roll with the Utes here. Um, no hook here, so the push is in play if it's a field goal game. Uh, I like Utah. I like I, And Billy Napier, like I said, he's a very big discipline coach. But it's his first year. It's his first game in the Swamp, and that's a tough place to play. I don't think the moment's going to be too big for him necessarily, but I think this team needs to figure out who they are first and who they are under Billy Napier, and I, I like the Utes here. I'm going to take Utah to cover the three points. Uh, all right, number two here. We have number 24, Houston at UTSA. Now, we did not get into much group of five talk this offseason. Uh, I might have alluded to it once or twice. I think Houston has a chance – to end up being somewhere in the neighborhood of where Cincinnati has been over the last couple of years, not necessarily making the college football playoff because Cincinnati got so lucky. But I think Houston's going to be really, really good. I think they're going to put up a ton of points. And UTSA was this wonderful story from last year, right? They ended up cracking the top 25. Uh, they did inevitably get into the college football playoff rankings at the very end. Uh, I believe they lost a heartbreaker at, at one point towards the end of the season, and it, it spoiled their undefeated season. But the Roadrunners are a good program. I can't help but think, though, that that was more of a flash in the pan for them than it was than, than it is going to be a consistent thing. We've seen Houston be good under Dana Holgerson and before that. We've seen Cincinnati. We've seen UCF. These group of five schools that are consistent, even you know looking looking in the Sun Belt, right, like Coastal Carolina. App State. We've seen those schools consistently be in the top 25. Last year was the first time we've seen that from UTSA. So I'm not ready to jump on the bandwagon until I see a couple of years of it. And I think Houston's going to be a really, really, really good team. It's only a four-point spread for Houston to cover and take the win. I'm going to take Houston to cover the four points and, uh, and start us off here. So, uh, all right, going to the top 25 matchups. 23 Cincinnati at number 19 Arkansas. I Really like Arkansas. Uh, we went over this in the SEC pod. I think Arkansas is a really, really good team. I think KJ Jefferson is going to come back and have a really good year. In incredibly accurate, smart decision maker. And I think he's only going to get better like he's done each year of his career. Yes, they lost Traylon Burks, but there's a little bit of that, you know, Devontae Adams to Aaron, and Aaron Rodgers thing we were talking about where it's like, hey, and, and same thing with Pat Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. And I'm not comparing KJ Jefferson to either one of those guys, but just in a football context, when you have one player that you can throw the ball to, that you get comfortable throwing the ball to, that becomes your number one target over and over again. If they're the best player, like Traylon Burks was, the whole defense is keying on, them, right? And then that opens up some other things in the field. But when they're gone, everyone goes, oh, well, what are you going to do without that guy? Well, you're going to be getting different looks now. You're going to be getting a lot more spread out. Uh, you're going to have less coverage, safety shadings. You know, there's going to be less less safeties kind of shading wherever it is that Traylon Burks goes. Um, 
And I think you're going to have an opportunity to run the ball because that offensive line and the job that Sam Pittman has done recruiting the offensive line to Arkansas is outstanding. Their offensive line is going to be really big, really nasty. I think their offensive line last year was better than Alabama's, and we saw what Alabama did to Cincinnati's front. And Cincinnati lost multiple guys on that front. Now, I love that team. All right. I love Cincinnati. I am I, a huge, huge Cincinnati fan. All right. I, I mean, how many times last year did I, you know, root for Cincinnati? How, how, how many times did we do our debates about the college football playoff that I was riding hard with Cincinnati? Happened every single week. I love the Bearcats. Uh, I love Luke Fickle, but they lost a lot, not just Sauce. They lost Kobe Bryant. They obviously lost Desmond Ritter, which is the biggest loss. They lost Alex Pierce to the NFL. So they have a lot to replace. Not to say that they can't be competitive, whatever, but right now, Arkansas is a six and a half point favorite at home. I, this to me is Arkansas all day, and I'm taking the points. It's a touchdown win. And Cincy fans, you might want to cover your ears. I think it's probably going to be worse. All right. We got two more games left here. So far, I got Utah covering against Florida. I have Houston covering against UTSA and and uh, Arkansas covering against Cincy. Um, closing it out here. Oregon at Georgia. Don't overthink it. We've seen what happens when Bo Nix plays Georgia. It goes badly. Now, Georgia is a 17-point favorite. Again, remember when I said before preseason rankings are dumb, and I would tell you why in a little bit. This is me telling you why. We have two top – we have a number 11 at number three and a number five at number two this weekend, and both are 17-point spreads. Vegas knows these rosters. The guys who set these lines do the work, and the people who vote do the work too. I'm not saying that they don't, but I've talked to people who have these AP votes. They will be the first ones to tell you this is a crapshoot. We're just picking teams we think will be good based off of – returning players and coaches and you know that, that's pretty much it and and schedule usually so the line 17 at Oregon at UGA take the Bulldogs um I know 17 seems like a lot but uh Stetson Bennett returns they got a couple of transfers at the wide receiver position the defense is still going to be really 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 good uh, and Bo Nix is playing on the other sideline. So take Georgia. Georgia was not in any close games last year that weren't against Alabama um, and Kentucky kind of in the first half. Other than that, everything, they would have covered the spread against pretty much everyone they played. I like Oregon, but again, first-year head coach. The one thing that's worth noting, if you want to make the case for Oregon, Dan Manning was the defensive coordinator at Georgia last year. So if anybody's going to know that unit and know the weak spots, it's that guy. Uh, and that's going to set up for a fun game this weekend. Uh, and then the number one game, number five, Notre Dame at number two, Ohio State. <sighs> Look, I, I really like Marcus Freeman. Uh, Brian Kelly had been there for so long at Notre Dame. I have no idea what kind of head coach Marcus Freeman's going to be. So far, he's won the court of public opinion by a long shot. I think everybody likes Marcus Freeman. I think everyone wants Marcus Freeman to work out, especially because Brian Kelly wasn't the most liked guy in college football. 
But this is a team that I have no confidence in saying what they're going to be one way or another. I think they're going to be good in the running back room. They always are. They have one of the best tight ends in football. I think the defense should be good, but losing Kyle Hamilton, who was the best player on that defense last year, is going to hurt them a little bit. And they're going up against the juggernaut in Ohio State. I'm not trying to be pessimistic or anything. I know it's going to be the most hyped up game. It's going to be the primetime game on Saturday night. But Ohio State can easily win this game by 30. And I think it's more likely that they win the game by 30 than this is a one-possession game. I would put all the money that I was betting. If I, if I let's say I won a bet and I was up 20 bucks, I'd throw $20 on Ohio State to cover the spread. Now, that for me, that's like, you know, three units for me or five, four units for me. Normally, I only bet like five bucks. So, like, that's how confident I am here. I would bet four units that I won during the day to hammer Ohio State. Uh, I'm going to take the Buckeyes here to cover the 17 comfortably uh, and to make a statement week one, because I'm telling you right now, this Ohio State team is pissed about what happened last year. They're pissed that they lost to Michigan, and they're pissed that they didn't get a chance to go compete for a national title. And they're coming back with vengeance. And it's going to be really, really interesting. All right. That's all we got. Got your picks. Got a little bit of Pac-12, Big 12 talk. Uh, I'm sorry. Technology sucks. It happens sometimes. But I hope everyone has a wonderful weekend. Week one, college football. It started last night. We got uh, Western Michigan and Michigan State tonight. And then we get it all over ourselves on Saturday. I can't wait. I cannot fucking wait have a great weekend we will talk to you guys on tuesday we're gonna wrap recap first weekend in college football and get you squared away because this time next week we're not gonna just be talking about you know college football we got the nfl less than a week away from game number one thursday night football bills rams and then the nfl is back so Enjoy it. Have a great weekend. Enjoy all the games. We will talk to you guys on Tuesday. And as always, take it easy. 